Hey, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? All right. Hey, happy to be back here. Uh, this is my second sermon, so what I'm going to need from y'all is to keep the same expectations of a first sermon so that you're not disappointed uh, this time. Uh, is that me? Hey, uh, a couple of things I did learn from the first sermon. Uh, it takes a lot of prep, uh, so I'm, I'm really thankful, Scott, uh, Blake, and Paul, uh, just the job that y'all do week in and week out. Um, loving everybody, uh, all the prep it takes to get there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's easy to come in after months, but uh, tough to do it every week. So uh, awesome job with that. Uh, something else I learned that was probably the most important thing was that it doesn't necessarily even matter the, the takeaways that I get from, the sermon, or from reading the scripture and uh, the little uh, insights I have. The thing that I noticed from the last one is that it's God's word that uh, people get takeaways from. Uh, so I'm, I'm praying that today, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 34, if you want to turn uh, your Bibles there. Um, I'm praying that he does that again today. Uh, so if you don't take anything away from the sermon, uh, focus on his word, and uh, we're going to go verse by verse through Psalm 34. So we're continuing in Advent. Um, you guys like this graphic that's actually done by my sister. Uh, pretty proud of that. She's been asking God how to use her graphic design talents and uh, uh, this is what she's been doing with that. But hey, uh, week one, we went through loving God with our minds. Week two, we went through loving God with our ears. And this week, we're going to be loving God, kind of weird, with our mouth, eyes, but really our being. Uh, and so that's the uh, title of this is Taste and See that the Lord is Good. So as I was prepping this, I was really prepping this sermon for... Uh, for the refuge family, for uh, all the things that have been going on uh, recently. I think that, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good is something that uh, we need to hear. you agree? Yeah. I think so. Um, I want to take a poll again and make it kind of conversational like I did last time. So I said, how are you doing? That's kind of just like what everyone says. But how are we actually doing? Like, if you're comfortable with it, uh, who here is walking in just feeling great? Like, actually, like, things are just going well. Oh, man, okay. Hi, if it's, going, if it's going well, let's raise it. There we go. Uh, I'm one of those people. I'll tell you why. I kind of got ahead of myself, but uh, this is why I'm doing really well right now. That's Verity Jane. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's Verity Jane Dacus Board, October 29th. And uh, honestly, we're just in a really sweet season right now. We've got family here. We've had family uh, coming in the last couple weeks. And uh, so I'm doing great. Like just walking in, just feeling really, really good. So um, I know it's cheap to you know, do baby pictures and manipulate your emotions that way. So I just hate it when people just continually to post more pictures. So I promise I'll you know, just stop <laughs> posting uh, and doing these pictures here. So I'm, I'm really uh, done. Not really. Um, yeah, I know. Um, all right, so those are the people that are doing great. I'm doing great, and this sermon's definitely for you. This is a celebratory uh, psalm, so if you're, if you're already feeling good, it should make you feel better, and it should also prepare you for things that aren't going so well. Uh, if you're comfortable with it, who here is walking in honestly heartbroken, uh, got some things going on? Is there anybody here? Um, this sermon's, yeah, this sermon's also for you. Uh, so it is a celebratory sermon. Uh, it does talk a lot about brokenheartedness and um, tough times that are, uh, that are going uh, so this is definitely for you. Uh, is there anybody here that's, you know, it's 2020, kind of so-so, like things aren't great, things aren't bad, but they're just kind of middle of the road? Anybody? 
yeah, I think we're all kind of there to some degree. Uh, this one, I hope, uh, my prayer is that this will prepare you for when things are really good and when things are not good. That's, uh, that's my hope today. All right, so we are in Psalm 34, like I said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to start off uh, weird and probably embarrassing this morning. So, uh, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like I said, this is a celebratory uh, psalm, and I was wondering, why does he have oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? That's a question, it's a weird question, but does anybody see food and like talk to it sometimes? Like talk to your food? What, like, what's a, like, if you get a nice, I don't know, plate of something in front of you, like, what's, what's a sound you make or a thing that you say to it? Maybe it's just me. Hello, gorgeous. Hello, gorgeous. Okay. So I think when he, when he says, what was that? When I, when I hear, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, you can't read this in a, like, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's a, oh, like, oh my, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, like I said, I got an embarrassing story, but we're going to go with it. I got nothing else to do. Um, so when my wife and I first got married, we did what every uh, young white couple does before they have kids. And uh, what, what do you think that is? Before you have kids, when you're young and white, you get a dog is what you do. In our case, we got, we got a dog and uh, Larissa was like, you know what? I want a second one and a third one. I was like, there's no way we're getting three dogs in our house. So we got three dogs um, <laughs> for our house. Uh, and one of them was also the other stereotypical white, uh, young, married couple dog, which is what? what? What's the type of dog that you get? Golden Retriever. That's it. So we got this little Golden Retriever named Luna. She was, we didn't know it. She was the runt of the litter. And uh, Luna, whenever you'd bring something to her that she saw... I'm going to tie this together, taste and see, that she saw and she knew she'd had it before and it tastes good. She made a sound something like this. Uh. Now imagine like a little golden retriever doing this. So it was kind of the running joke. Every time we bring out something like a piece of bacon or something, she'd go. Uh. So when you hear, oh, think of that. Well, so I also... You know, sometimes it's a joke, and when Larissa would bring out a, uh, you know, a great cooked meal, I would sit there, and I'd just go, <laughs> she hated it so much, but you know, when you, uh, when you start to do things at home, uh, it could bleed other to other places, right? So uh, we're at our anniversary dinner uh, at a nice, nice restaurant, all dressed up, she's looking beautiful, I've got a suit on, and... The, uh, the waitress comes over and she puts this nice porter steak in front of me. And uh, it was almost slow motion because I see Larissa like, don't, please don't. <laughs> and I don't even know, I wasn't even thinking. I just looked at it and I was like, <clears throat> and like stop. <laughs> I don't know what the waitress, I didn't look at her. But anyway, the whole point of this is that when you hear, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, it is, it is a... Uh, it is something that you can't help. He's saying that I cannot help to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to pray for us before I embarrass myself uh, too much more. Uh, God, I thank you uh, that we have your word, that we can joke, but uh, that you give us uh, the truth, uh, that you give us your word that is ultimate truth. God, I'm praying that you use this um, to speak to somebody today who is in celebration, who is uh, in mourning. Um, would you help us to taste and see that you are good. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so like I said, we're going to be in Psalm 34. 
Uh, the context for this, uh, so this is written by David, King David. Uh, he is currently fleeing Saul. Uh, he has gone to the land of the Philistines. So he thinks that uh, Saul is going to kill him. He's gone to the one place where Saul is not going to look. And uh, so he's in enemy territory. So he's about to be uh, brought to the king of Gath, uh, who he thinks he will take him prisoner, maybe kill, we don't know. Um, and what he does is he ends up going crazy. He pretends like he's crazy. So uh, the Bible says uh, back in 1 Samuel, I'm not going to go too far into it, but that as he's going up, he's like, you know, he's foaming at the mouth. There's like spit coming in his beard. He's like craw- crawling at the, uh, at the walls. He's writing on the walls. Uh, he's gone crazy. And so they, they bring him up to the king and uh, they're like, like, hey, this is David. And he's like, why are you bringing me a madman? I've got enough madmen in my life. Get him away from me. And he just sends him off. So David's, he's free. Uh, so he retreats to a cave where he pens this psalm. And so the, the heart behind it is he is, he's feeling free. He, was, he should have been in jail. He should have been uh, maybe killed, but God got him out of this. Like, like, why would pretending to be crazy work? But it did. So again, when we're going through this, keep some of the thinking cap on, but also uh, I want you to feel this in your soul. This is a psalm. These are songs, hymns. Uh, so really try to feel what it's like to be uh, set free after you think you're in trouble. So bottom line, thought he was in trouble. God brought him out of it, and he pens uh, this psalm. So Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. In verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So notice here that he starts out with just worshiping God. Uh, he's, being, he's loud. He's, he's excited about this. He's experienced this. And this is going to be a theme that you'll see. That he's actually, he's not just, God just didn't do something that he's heard about. He's actually experiencing this in the moment. So again, celebratory. He's happy about this. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So this is an invitation from David to be, hey, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's, a, that's something that as Christians, we should be doing more of. It's, it's, God doesn't get better, or he doesn't get closer, he doesn't get, you know, uh, bigger, it's just our awareness of it, right? So when we see something good happen in our lives, we should, when we experience that, we should share it. Because there's going to be a time that you don't know who uh, needs to hear that. So when you experience it, I encourage us to share it. One other thing that he says, uh, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Uh, he's saying this, and we'll see it again later, that his, uh, his boast is in the Lord meaning it's not him who did this. You know, he, yeah, he pretended that he was crazy, but it was God who actually made it work. He was the one who brought him out of this. Verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. What do you think it means to look to the Lord? When I think of it, I think something like a coach saying to a, um, to a player, hey, I'm looking to you to do this. Not necessarily the best uh, correlation, but you're counting on him. So when he's saying, when you look to the Lord, uh, you are counting on God to do what only God can do. So here he's talking about those who are looking to God. 
here. He says they're radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. That means that if you look to God, he will not turn you away. And that's a promise. So what's the truth that we have so far? So far we see that God is present. That he is near, which we'll also get into later. Something that we tend to do as Christians, or non-Christians as well, uh, is ask the question, uh, where is God in blank? Um, I think it's safe to say that there's been a lot of uh, tough times at Refuge recently, right? Uh, where is God in uh, taking away a brother, a husband, uh, a friend? Um, it's, it's a fair question to ask. I think the, the one thing that we can go back to is that God is present and that he's here uh, in that. And he's here with you right now in that. That's the one thing that we can, we can hold on to uh, as a promise. Verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Again, this is something that's so important as Christians. He says, this poor man. This was not something that he's, uh, he's boasting in, something that he did. It's this poor man cried. And I'll tell you that when you are poor, when you are lowly, and I'm sure somebody can testify, I know someone watching online can testify with this right now, is that when you are at your bottom and all you have left is Jesus, that, is, that gives him the most room to work. Am I right there? Yeah. Has anybody experienced that before? That's a, that's a theme here. This poor man cried, the Lord heard him, the Lord hears you, and saved him out of all of his troubles. That's another promise. He will save you out of your troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him, or deliver, excuse me, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. This was something, and something that's come up uh, a little bit in some of the other Bible studies I'm in, uh, the idea of fearing the Lord. Because it's kind of a weird thing to think, right? Like, why should we fear God if we're, if we're Christians? Or what does fear even mean? So the, uh, the Bible says fear of God uh, equals to a deep respect, uh, a reverence, the beginning of wisdom, uh, the beginning of knowledge, the hatred of evil, the being in awe, and the precursor to comfort. This is in Proverbs, Hebrews, and Acts, if you want to fact check me. So what fear is, is uh, as a Christian, fearing is seeing him as bigger. Something I like to use is, imagine that you're at the bottom of a, of a giant wave. Have anybody seen Interstellar, the movie Interstellar? So if you're, you know, the part where there's these things they think are mountains, but they're actually waves, right? So imagine you're at the bottom of this wave that's probably like 100, you know, 50 feet high, but you know it's not going to crush you. You're just, you're in awe. Or when you're at the bottom of a mountain looking up at this mountain, all you can be is in awe. You can't give anything back to the mountain. The mountain is what it is, but you just stand in awe. And there's almost this fear, awe um, to it. So when we think fear, think reverence, think deep respect for God. All right, here we go. The meat and potatoes, pardon the pun, of, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, verse 8. So the whole uh, theme of this message. So Notice here that it says, it does not say taste and see if the Lord is good. It's saying that taste and see that the Lord is good. The difference here is our awareness, because God is good 
all the time. I'll say it again. God is good all of the time. Our awareness changes, but he remains good. I also think it's interesting it says taste and see. So these are two things. You think of taste as experience, because we can see in Scripture all the times that God is good. You can see in other Christians' lives, uh, maybe your own, well, if you see it yourself, you're experiencing it, but if you see it in other people's lives, you're just seeing it. You don't know actually uh, what it's like. So you can see that God's good from a lot of different things, but to actually taste it is to experience it. So this is a, uh, one example, since we're talking about taste and food and all that. Uh, what are some foods that look good, excuse me, look bad, but actually taste good? Name out a couple. Liver? Ooh. Okay, I can't, I can't do that one. <laughs> what is it? Poutine. We got a Canadian in the house. That's my sister. Uh, all right. I got a couple. We're in the South. What's this right here? Exactly. It's a casserole. Some of you recovering Baptists are, uh, are here looking at it like, well, I already know. That's good. So this is a casserole. Uh, it doesn't look good. If you, imagine you've never had a casserole before. Uh, you know, you got some green stuff. You got some brown, like who knows. But if you've tasted something like it, you know it's good. Let's step it up a second here. Ooh, that's chili. That looks like, uh, actually, I'm not even going to go into what that looks like. Um, <laughs> If you have kids or dogs, you know. Anyway, the, uh, that was my morning this morning, actually. Um, yeah, so this is chili. You know, if you like chili, that that's good. But looking at it, it doesn't really look that great, right? But uh, there is a point to this. So I'm from the Northwest, so we gotta, I can't forget my vegans. Uh, so what is that? Guacamole. Uh, yeah, looks terrible. Some, that's probably a divided uh, topic. So let's get into maybe a fruit, right? This pimply, hairy, whiskery thing that's a strawberry. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look good if you've never had it before, uh, but if you've experienced it, uh, you know that you can look at a strawberry and you can be like, man, I've experienced that before, so therefore I know it's good. Are you tracking with me or am I making no sense? So if you've, if you've uh, experienced God in the past, you can look at the bad times and you can be like, wait, I've seen him get me through this in the past. Therefore, I know that even though that's a bad time, he's going to get me through it. Or that's a tough time. He's going to get me through that. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you. (laughs) Verse uh, 9. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. He's promising everything here. Have no lack, lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. So again, remember what we talked about with fearing the Lord. He's going to teach how to fear the Lord here. What is a man, or what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? What does that mean? He's saying, uh, who doesn't want to see good in their lives? He's saying, if you, want to do, if you want to see good, and if you want to fear the Lord, do these things. Keep your tongue from evil. Am I on the right one? Hold on, I think I skipped one. There we go. Keep your tongue from evil, and your lips from speaking deceit. 
Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. Sorry about that. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut, me- cut the memory of them from the earth. So the big takeaway here, one that Jesus here, or excuse me, that God hears your cries. So when, again, like we talked about earlier, when you are low, when you cry out to him, it is promised that he will answer your cries. The other big thing is here is that the Lord is 100% all of the time, always against evil on this earth. So the evil and the bad that you're experiencing, God is in it, he is present in it, but he has no part in evil itself. Does that make sense? He is 100% against evil all of the time. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears, we see this again, and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I'm going to read that one again. This is important. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So something that I heard about a, I asked earlier about people who came in here with a broken heart or people that are going through a tough time. Um, would you say that uh, a broken heart is like unmet expectations? Like you expected, I'm going, to, I'm going to live with this person for the rest of my life and then they're, they're taken away. It's an unmet expectation. I, I, was, I was relying on this relationship to work out or I was relying on this job and I didn't get it, or that relationship didn't work out. So it's unmet expectations. And again, what's the one thing that we can give to them, and what's the one thing that we can preach to ourselves when these times come? Because make no mistake, they will come if you're not there right now. And that is that God is near. God is near to you right now. I know someone listening online right now um, is going through deep depression. I'm talking to you. God is near to you right now. Don't forget that. Where's that in the Bible? Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love, the, love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So for you that are hurting, know this, that you are not alone and that God is near. I'm going to keep repeating it because it is true and you need to hear it, that God is near to you right now. He's not going anywhere. Rely on him. Turn to him. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. So what, is, what are we taking from here? It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, and then on the, uh, a couple of verses later, affliction will slay the wicked. So here we see the righteous and the wicked will both have afflictions. So this is another promise that afflictions are promised. So be ready for them. God's going to, he's, he's telling us that they are going to come. The difference is, if you're in him, he delivers you from them. Afflictions are promised. One other thing, actually, I'm going to go back. I wasn't going to put this in. But this is crazy. Remember, I don't know if you, if you remember from my last sermon, I was talking about Easter eggs. Really, they're, 
the prophecies, things that, you know, that God uh, puts in uh, that are little nods to something that's going to happen. This one just blew my mind. So uh, verse 20, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. So this was penned in 1060 BC. This was a thousand year, more than a thousand years before Christ was born. Uh, he says, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. So symbolically, that means that uh, he keeps all his people. But what it's also saying in John 19, uh, if you remember from the crucifixion, so when people were crucified, what they would do to speed up the crucifixion, so while they're hanging there, they would break their knees so they couldn't actually, or break their legs, excuse me, so they couldn't actually lift up and so they would run out of breath. Well, when they got to uh, Jesus, I'm just going to read it in John 19. Remember, he says, uh, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. John 19 says, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him, him being Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he, had already, uh, he was already dead, they did not break his legs. For, this, uh, for these things took place so that scripture may be fulfilled. Not one of his bones are broken. How crazy is that? A thousand years before Christ was born that, he, uh, that this was talked about and then it was fulfilled um, at his crucifixion. I thought it was pretty cool. All right, last verse here. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. I feel like I need to read that one probably at least six more times. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. He says none will be condemned. So if you look to him, again, this is a promise again, that if you look to God, he will answer you and he will deliver you from your troubles. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means that we are bought. It means that because of Jesus, your life is bought with a, per, or with a price. And so he will not condemn you. This is a statement for God's people that if you look to him, again, just like we said, if afflictions are promised, but if you are in Christ, your life is also promised. And what do I mean by life? I mean your eternal life. So you're not just, uh, you don't have to worry about these troubles that come up. You don't have to worry about the bad times that come because you know that God will deliver you from them and he will give you eternal life. Is that good news? I think so. So God is a perfect judge. This is what I'll close with. He is a perfect judge. And it's either going to be you and I who take the brunt of God's wrath, or it's going to be Jesus. So when we get, and imagine for a second, when we get up to, or when we get to heaven, uh, do you want to say that it's on you, or do you want to say that it's on Jesus? I want to say I'm with him, and I want to be, I'm 100% with him because he's taken every ounce of God's wrath already. And as Christians, we get to do that, because his wrath is going to be taken out on somebody and it's already been taken out on, on Jesus. And so I plead with us as Christians, rest in that. I'll ask the band to come up uh, as we close. We have a big question to answer. So how do we experience God? How do we taste and see that the Lord is good? A couple of these came up with, and they're biblical. They're in here. Prayer and meditation so talk to him, uh, be still with him. These are practical things that you can do 
today. Uh, if, you are, if you are a Christian, you can literally talk to him anytime uh, you want. That's an incredible thing to be able to do. He's not a distant father. Again, we talked about he's near to talk to him, be still with him. Uh, read his word. Again, we talked about before, this is the ultimate truth. So if you're flailing on, other, on all the things that are going on in the world, if you're battling with uh, depression, with sadness, with anything, go to his word. Specifically, I ask you to go to Psalm 34. Read this again. We kind of went through it uh, quickly in one Sunday morning. But go through it because there's so much here uh, that you can rely on and so much more of, of the Bible. Uh, worship. So this is giving back. You know, we go through this every Sunday. Uh, you can freely worship. This is when we give back to God. He doesn't need it, but he asks us to worship him, and there's a lot to worship him about. Become aware. So like we talked about earlier, uh, becoming aware of what God is doing and start to share that with other people. Because uh, he's doing a lot, and he's always there. It's just, again, our awareness of what he's doing uh, is, is the difference there. Lastly is trust and rest in what Jesus has already done on the cross. The trust in him, look to him, and rest in what God has done. Rest in what he did through his son, Jesus. And we talked about taste and see. We talked about, um, you know, actually tasting and experiencing God. So that's what we're going to do with uh, communion. And that's, uh, that's one of the number one ways. So uh, for Christians, this means, means a whole lot. If you're not a Christian, this probably isn't going to mean a lot. This is going to be um, just another ritual uh, but for us as Christians, you know, Jesus says that he is the bread of life, the living water. There are other ways he references food in this. But this is something we actually get to tangibly taste and see. So on the night before Je- that Jesus was to be crucified, uh, he was sat with his disciples and um, took out this, he took the bread and he broke it. He said he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body that I've given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And remember, this is literally, he's saying, my bones and my flesh were broken for you. So every time that you eat, do this in remembrance of him. On the same night, he also took the wine or in this case, juice here. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So as we drink this, remember the blood that is shed uh, by Jesus for our sins, covering everything. So like we say here in the... At refuge as well. If, if, the, if you're not a Christian, like I said, this is just, it's a ritual. But for those who are Christians, this is a big deal. Uh, for those who are not, um, we're going to ask you to come if you are interested and you want to learn more. The elders will be at the back uh, afterwards. I'll be back there as well uh, to talk to you. If there's anything about today's sermon, if there's anything that you want to know more about how to follow Jesus, what does that look like? Or just to be a, a member here at Refuge, because uh, a lot of it uh, is the community. Can anybody else attest to that? It's a, it's a community. Um, again, I said it last time too. If you're, if you're in a GC, or excuse me, if you're a member here and you are going through any, uh, something tough, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, 
come talk to one of the elders. Like I said, they will help you through this and talk to a GC leader. That's what we're here for. But the community and the life happens throughout the week, not just on a Sunday morning. This is just the starting point. But we'd love to talk to you more about that um, right after this as well. I'm going to pray for us.